Thank you all for joining us again for another episode of A Servant Leader Coach's Bible Study. I am your host, Coach Chelsea, and I'm super excited, y'all. I mean, I literally, I'm sitting here with today's servant leader, and I always talk to them a little bit before we come on. And I was super excited because I told her, I feel like the answer and the blessing to the obedience of starting this podcast is simply being able to sit in this seat to just soak in the amazing wisdom from God's people. I mean, it's just amazing. And so if you're tapping in today for the first time, even if you've been along with the journey, you know that we have celebrated now three years of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study. And it's only by God's grace that we have continued this move of God to just normalize athletic professionals and leaders to learn to serve like Christ. And we have literally been in a series talking about the fourth quarter, what it is and what it means for a servant leader to to, to serve for the return of Christ. You know, we've heard different angles so far. And the biggest thing that just gets my heart is we know as individuals, when the deadline is set, we push a little harder at the goal. And that's what God has given us. We've had some amazing servant leaders. And we continue with the same trend tonight with an amazing servant leader. We have today servant leader Narisha Liggins with us. Y'all, I'm going to tell you, I simply asked a question. And I think that a lot of times we think as Christians that we have to do this grand gesture. I simply tweeted a question that said, who is the person that truly, when they speak, move, serve, kind of just gets you going? Tag them. And when I tagged them, And I sent that tweet out. She was tagged. And this person said to me, I'm telling you now, Chelsea, if you haven't, you need to reach out. I'm so glad I reached out. So I want to just tell you, thank you so much for your time. Time is that one thing that once it's given, it can't be given back. And I'm going to pass the torch to you. I'm going to stop talking. They didn't come to hear me. All right. I'm passing the torch to you to say hello to our listeners. We get this conversation started today. Oh, well, good evening, everyone. It is such a blessing and an honor to be here. Thank you for your obedience, Chelsea, on just taking this this podcast where it is, where it can be fruitful and a blessing to so many people. Thank you for inviting me to be here. I am just elated to see how God is going to move in this in this. Come on here. I really I've been praying about it because I, you know, I've been in a space where I haven't had time to just you know, prepare what I believe God is saying, but he's like, just flow, just trust me today. So I'm excited to hear what God is going to (laughs) say to us today as well. So thank you for having me. For sure. And like I told you before, it's amazing how God knows when we add, not intentionally and not in a bad way, but when we have more of us and less of him. And he said, I don't want you to have control tonight. I got this girl. I got you. And so I'm excited. You say you're excited. I'm excited to just see him flow through you. I am. I, um, I'm a perfectionist in my mind. I think Mm -hmm. I 
right? <laughs> and so I'm the type of person that feels like I have to have everything in place in order to do it the right way. And I know that that's an area that the Holy Spirit has been challenging me in my life is saying, hey, it's cool to be prepared, but do you trust me? Do you really allow me to flow through you? Can I go outside of your structures and outside of what you think is the norm and the regular way to do things? So today is a, is a graduation ceremony for me because that's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> Let's go. Let me cue the pomp and circumstances. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. So my name is Narisha Liggins. Like she said, I am a a Christ-centered life coach, a business coach, a ministry consultant. By gift, I show light. Um, I'm a healer. I love to bring people into a place of emotional and spiritual healing. By trade, a lot of my talents are in the area of teaching and facilitating and coaching. I love helping people grow and to see life, to see God, to see things and other people in a more healthy way. And so this is, um, that's just kind of what I do by trade and by gift. And one of the things that God has placed in my heart is one of the messages that I have been teaching a lot on in the past uh, about four years now, since prior to the pandemic, is to help people understand their purpose. And Mm. I think that It's such, you know, we hear it, we've probably heard it all our lives is, you know, you got to figure out what your purpose is and you got to know what your purpose is. You got to operate in your purpose. And we hear people speak messages. There are a hundred, probably thousands of books on discovering your purpose. And I think the way that God really gave it to me is to help people understand it and simplify it so that it is digestible and that people know that you're probably already living in your purpose. Mm. A lot of times people are not searching for purpose as much as they're searching for significance. Come on. There's a difference. And so we can judge our lives based on what we see that is glamorized in the lives of others. And we might discount the value of what we're bringing to the table because we're measuring it up against how God is using someone else. So we're, we're not necessarily looking for purpose, but significance. And I want to, I want to undo that wiring that society has taught us to, to focus on and say, you know what? your passions are tied to your purpose. Your talents are tied to your purpose. Your gifts are tied to your purpose. And we use these words interchangeably. We, we talk about here. I am just elating. We talk about your talents, your gifts, your calling, your assignment, and they can be used interchangeably in the conversation about purpose. But I, I feel like if we were to able to, if we were able to look at these words in a different perspective, it might help us really hone in on what our purpose is. And let me just start out. There's a scripture in Romans where it says that God will fulfill his purpose for us. Come on. We have to first remember that our purpose is not our own. That's it. We didn't create ourselves. We didn't manufacture ourselves. We didn't decide the course of our lives. And when we start taking control and taking the reins of the direction and the path of our lives without consulting our manufacturer, our manufacturer, then we are not living in his purpose. We're living in our purpose. And when we're living in our purpose, that's when we start feeling the need to climb up the ladders of success. And the kingdom of God is not a hierarchy system where we're climbing up the ladder upward, but we're loving people outward. It's a broad. And so our purpose 
has to be looked at it from that perspective. So understanding that it's his purpose that we're feeling, the scripture says to make his name great and to release his power in the earth. So that means if we're to make his name great and to release his power in the earth, that means that it's in us already, that he's already given the given us the power to make him look good, to make him known in the earth. And, and that's what our purpose is. And, to, and the ways that we do it, is to understand our talents, to understand how God connects gifts to our talents, understand that our calling is not about what we do, but who we're called to. It's about a people that we're called to serve. And I'll talk a little bit about that because that is the most important part of this to me. Um, and then our assignment is about where we serve. If you think about military assignments, you, you might be assigned to a particular location and they change your assignment and you're now in a different country, you're in a different base or whatever. Your assignment can be where your, your people are, but your calling, I really want to hone in on calling because we think that we're called to do something, but it's more important than being what we're called to do, but who we're called to serve. Come and on. Who are your people? That's the question. Who are, who are the people? And the people that you're called to are the people that you have a burden for. You don't, you're not called to everyone. You're not called and assigned to every location, but the people that you're called to are the people that in some way sparks an empathy in you that charges you to want to respond to their need, to respond to the burden that they have in a way that brings light, healing, and freedom to them. That's how you know who you're called to. Um, one of the questions that I talk to my, my clients about one of the questions I pose to them is what types of stories make you cry? When you hear someone share a story about a situation that they're going through, which ones, which ones tug at your heartstrings in a way that you, you just have to do something to, to help them. For me, I cannot stand to see people being bullied. I don't care who you are. I, I can't stand to see people being bullied. So I'm an advocate. I, I will stand up for the person that's being bullied or being mistreated. So those are people that I know that I'm called to. Also, um, I don't like to see people being deceived. I don't like to see people that are in the dark. So I like to teach. I like to educate. I like to help people find um, find the understanding of and the meanings of whatever they're going through in their life. So those are the people that I know that I'm called to because it, it excites me to help them. It I'm moved to help them. So that's what our calling is about is who are you called to serve based on the circumstances that you've been through. Um, and a lot of times our testimonies, our personal struggles will tell us who we're called to. Come on. Our, what we've gone through, the, the, the word it says in Revelations that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So our testimony mm -hmm. is a crucial piece in helping other people overcome. And so the things that we have gone through, um, the struggles that we've overcome are a key factor in finding out who our people are, who we're actually called to serve. So that's our calling. Let me just talk really quickly about the difference between talents and gifts, because I feel like we 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 use those words interchangeably yes. and, and, and we can and they're OK. But maybe if we have a different perspective, we'll understand how God uses it. So our talents are the things that we can do for enjoyment and employment. If you think about um, major companies that have an HR department, they have talent acquisition 
departments where they're hiring talent. Your talents are the, your skill sets, the things that you can improve upon by practice, by performance, the things that you, the things that you can work on and get better at. Singing is not necessarily a gift. It is a talent because if I practice, I can get better at it. This is a God-given talent. So if you have a talent for writing and you can improve that, you can take classes and learn how to write better. Those are things that are talents as, as athletes, as coaches, whatever you can improve, if you can improve upon your, your, your skill set, that is a talent. The gift, however, is not something that you have much control over. The gift is what happens for people when you are operating in your authentic self and performing your talent. Let me give you a biblical example. David, before he was king, was called upon by Saul, who was being tormented by the enemy. And he was called upon to come play his instrument. And he played his instrument. And because there was an anointing and a gift on his playing, those demons, they, they ran away from Saul. He was Saul was freed from that demonic oppression. David didn't do anything special for that. All he did was play. But there was a gift of healing in his life that whenever he showed up to, to the person he was called to and where he was assigned, that the gift of God flowed through him. There was nothing that could, I don't even know if David knew that God was going to do that for him. He just enjoyed playing his instrument. So a lot of times we are, we are just doing our thing, the things that we love to do, and God is showing up through that expression of our talent and that expression of our passion, and he is healing someone. He is freeing someone. He's bringing light and revelation into someone's life. He's freeing someone just by you being you. So your talent is what you do. Your gift is what God does. Ooh, come on here. <laughs> I don't want to wreck your flow. I don't, but I'm going to tell you why I was sitting here on mute because I'm telling you, this was a discussion that was had on, there's a young lady down here. She's amazing. And she is a news anchor for our local news station. And she has a Tuesday talk. And this was one of the topics last week. I believe it was last week. And I was like, y'all get in here and listen to this, please. Because this was just the conversation, but I've never heard it that way. Can you please do that last line again? Because, yeah. okay, I wanted to throw some at the screen. <laughs> I said, your talent is what you do. Your gift is what God does. Your talent connects the gifts and the resources from heaven to the people in the earth. So while you're doing what you do by, by being, just operating in your talent, God does what he does. Whether you're involved or not, most of the time, you don't even know what God is doing for someone else. How many times has someone said, you, you said this, and I, I have never forgotten this, and this has changed my life, and you don't even remember saying it. That is because there was a gift that God placed in your speaking, and you just doing you that changed somebody's perspective, that brought healing, that brought wisdom, that brought light, that brought inspiration to someone, and you just being you. Talent is what you do. Your gift is what God does through you. <laughs> That's huge. I mean, that thing just, I'm, it took me, it took me. I've heard it, like I said, I've heard it a lot of ways, but that was, that's just impactful to me. The, 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 the best story that I can come to in that is, is, is literally David. Like David didn't, David didn't even know 
that he had an anointing on his life. And we look at David as this shepherd. I believe that his playing an instrument was just something he enjoyed doing in his, when he wasn't picking up sheep dung or whatever, you know, he was just enjoying it. And God can take your passions, the things that you enjoy, and he can connect a gift. He can connect his power to you doing the thing that you enjoy. There's a scripture in, in Psalms 37, I believe it's four, where it says that God will give you the desires of your heart. This doesn't mean that God is going to be a genie and everything that you think of, he's going to perform for you and he's just going to grant it to you. It means that there are things in your heart that you desire to do that God placed in your heart so that he can operate through you through that desire. So if I have a desire, like one of the things that I've been doing just secretly in my family didn't even really know this. I've been taking ASL lessons, which is American Sign Language lessons. It's just something that I wanted to do. It was just, I had, had no reason to really do it. There's no one that is hearing impaired in my life, but it was just a desire in my heart to just, you know, let's just take some lessons and see. That's how I believe God leads us into the different places in our lives that he wants to connect through. And it's just about searching your heart and being honest with yourself about what it is you desire. Are you living out what you desire or are you living out somebody else's desire for you? If that's the case, I'm not saying God can't use you, but he loves, he loves using the most authentic expression of you mm -hmm. because it is your authenticity where his image and likeness are now spread in the earth. I believe that because the scripture says that we were created in his image and likeness, that means that all of humanity in the earth at any given point in our world makes up the picture of God, the complete picture of God's image and likeness. So he needs our authentic expression of who he made us to be to show up to help complete the authentic expression of him. So if I am living in an inauthentic expression of my life, I am not completing the image and likeness of God that God created me to represent in the earth. So I have to ask myself, what am I doing? Am I doing this for me? Am I doing this for the appearance of professionalism or appearance of, of being successful? Am I doing this because my family wanted me to do this? Is this something that my spouse expects of me to do? Or am I living in the way that God designed me so that he can get the fullest expression of his image and likeness and his glory reflected in the earth. I'm just sitting up here like, first of all, I'm trying to turn my page real quiet because you already got me on page two of notes, okay? There's so many things that I wanted to, again, throw this pin at you. So I'm glad virtual we are because it would have come over there amongst some other things. Um, one, the first thing I'll say, it's amazing how God aligns things, right? Because I don't know if you've had a chance yet to uh, listen to us. It's, it's not uploaded. She actually comes up this week, but our um, speaker from um, last week, she spoke on the very some of the very things using David. She loved that as well. Mm -hmm. And one of the things she said is she said, I just want to be tending to the sheep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's all I want to do. And it's amazing because that authenticity, right? Sometimes it sounds so simplistic. But as you said, it, it's 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 sometimes when 
it's like I, I can recall there's students I teach. And so there's a student, it, it's always the one they're like, well, why do you call him? Why does she get to go, right? But you, it's typically you not doing anything other than what I've asked you to do. When there's some type of treat, reward, recommendation, nomination, it blindsides you. You didn't try to do extra for it. You didn't try to bribe or, you know, cuddle your way up to it. You legitimately were doing the assignments that I said, maybe following the class rules that I said, maybe just doing exactly what you were called to do. And servant leader, Stephanie Murphy, that's what she said the other day. She said, I just want to be tempted sheep. I just want to do what he called me to do. And if I do what, I, what he's called me to do, as you just attached to it, my full authentic self, that's when God can truly show up. Yes. And also he gets the most glory out of Come on. Because he created every detail about you. Come on. So when we're not living in that expression of ourselves, that is truly authentic, then who's getting the glory? It's not him. And, and, and so many times, I mean, this is the society, the systems that we are, uh, that we have to be a part of in the world. This is why the scripture says we can be in the world, not of the world. But we are, we have to be mindful that there are systems that are wanting to, wanting us to express its image in mm -hmm. the uh -huh. not God's image. So you might be working in a corporate environment and the image of that corporate environment may be controlling and manipulative. And we might fall, find ourselves operating in the systems environment instead of, of, of taking on the, the, the nature and the characteristic, the likeness of our father and placing that in the earth. And we can just without even trying, without even thinking about it, without even being intentional about it, take on the likeness of the world systems, take on the likeness of organizations, even religious systems that don't reflect Christ in the way that it's supposed to. We think that we're doing something for God by serving in these systems, but if it doesn't reflect the way that Christ served, the ways that he loves, we're not operating in God's image anymore. We're operating in the image of a system. And we have to just be careful. And, and I love the thing that this is the fourth quarter. How are we going to serve in a way that brings and draws people to Christ? I believe there are three things, being vulnerable. One thing that we don't do well is vulnerability. Unfortunately, it, it, we are having to be taught how to be vulnerable because we have been um, constructed in these systems and these societies that tell us that we have to look a certain way or act a certain way or be a certain way. So it, it keeps us from being able to share our authentic testimony, our unedited testimony. And just like we talked about, people overcome by those testimonies. So our vulnerability is one of the most powerful ways to lead as a servant is to say, hey, I've been there. Not only have I been there, I was, man, I was jacked up. I was doing it worse than you, you know, but look at what God can do. Look at how God transformed my life. That vulnerability and being able to share some of the hardest parts of your, not even your past life, but your today life. What are we struggling with right now that we, we really need to be vulnerable with? That is an area the enemy has lied to us about not sharing that, that, that those places that we're struggling with because God can't heal things that we don't allow to come to light. Come on. So he tells us the enemy loves to operate in the dark. That's his, that, that's his environment. 
So if we are, we tell ourselves, we allow him to tell us to keep it hidden and God is just going to fix it. God's just going to work on it. But the Bible says in James that we're to go and speak and confess our sins one to another. Yeah, you do have to be careful on who you share those things with, but, but, but be open to being led to share with the right people, because those people are going to bring you in the, into, into the pace, place of prayer and offer godly wisdom and godly counsel to help you overcome that. So that's number one, being vulnerable is one of the best ways to be um, a servant leader in today's times. Um, number two, oh, I'm so passionate about number two, be okay with being a disruptor. Come on. You have to be okay with being a disruptor. One of the things that Jesus did repeatedly, like he was sent to upset and disrupt the world's systems. He called out things that were not right and that were oppressing the people of God. He didn't do it with, with, um, with, with using a religious system. He actually disrupted the religious systems because it was oppressive. But, but being a servant leader means that you're going to have to bring freedom to people by, by calling things out that, that don't serve the people of God. We don't have to bring people into the kingdom of God um, with only just using scripture, but just being an advocate for people allows your light to shine and being able to free people out of the different mindsets or systems that they are, they are entrapped into and all those things. Being a disruptor is one of the best ways to be a servant leader is to stand up for people that need an advocate for them. They may not even know they need an advocate. They may have been so overwhelmed and so, um, so saturated by the system that they don't realize that it's not even good for them. But being willing to have honest one-on-one -on -one conversations and saying, hey, let me, let me, let me show you something in a different way. Perhaps, the, you know, this is what the word of God says here. Does this look like the environment that you're in? Does this look like the way that you're, 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 you're living? Does this look like the way that God would want you to, to, to handle this particular situation? Be willing to be a disruptor to systems, all types of systems, and to um, bring in correction into people's life. Godly, godly, helpful, loving correction. And that's what leads me to my third thing is empathy. We, we can't lead anyone from a place of lording over them. We have to be able to feel what they feel. This is why the Bible says that Jesus felt everything that man, that was known to man. He felt those things. He felt, he felt that and he understood he could. Scripture says over and over and over again that right before Jesus would perform a miracle, Scripture would say that he felt compassion then he healed them. I believe that the power of God in our lives is connected to the compassion that we have for people. That goes back to who we're called to and who, who we have um, and just in immense empathy for. But leading people from a place of lording over them or having authority over them does not serve them. The idea of Giving people the same keys to the kingdom that you have, that's leading them because you don't need to lead them um, upward. You need to lead, walk with people, walk with them through certain uh, situations that they're, they're dealing with, struggles that they're dealing with, but doing it from a place of empathy, not, not obligation, not um, from a place of entitlement in their lives, but a true place of empathy. So 
that's the third, the third thing that I feel is, is really important in this day and age is helping people um, to come to Christ and to a better knowledge of Christ through an empathetic relationship. And the relationship is really key. You can't lead someone without relationship, not lead someone properly. You have to cultivate relationships so that there's equitable uh, exchanges that you have. You make it in, you've made investments into their lives. You really care about what's going on in their lives. And that's how they're going to trust you with leadership through empathetic relationship. So my goodness, that's all I got right now. <laughs> Look, and you say that's all I got. Like that wouldn't... <laughs> Mercy. I'm sitting up here. I laughed because in you speaking, it, it, it always shows that God is, when God is within something, he allows it to be interconnected. And our servant leader, he's been on before. Uh, he's my brother, Willie Spears. He'll come on Wednesday. Um, but I was laughing because in much of, a lot of what you were saying is when we're authentic, right? We're made in his image. Uh, he actually, he's the one I retweeted something he said the other day, and I think you liked it and commented, but he mentions name, image, and likeness, the NIL deals that we see all the time in college sports now. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, and I told him this, I just saw him listening and I said, I hope I'm not stealing any of your thunder for Wednesday, but it was so powerful how he said, you know, that's nothing new. Y'all mm -hmm. stole that from God. Yes. <laughs> When we, we, I'm not going to mess up his sermon, but it was just amazing how he said that. He was like, name, image, and likeness. We're, we're made in his image and his likeness by and via his name. So what we do when we do it for the glory of Christ, you mentioned hugely how the system, a lot of times will conform to what the world has aligned something to be in the name of Christ. Yes. You know, and I've heard this before and it was so powerful. And it's like, look, you can't want to do something in your own name. And then right in the thick of it, you start to struggle and you say, hey, God, come on. Can you help me out? Wait a minute. Mm -hmm. I, that's not how that works. So now you want God to bail in something that he didn't actually birth. Oof. Yeah. And he's not obligated to do that. I, I do believe that there are so many there are so many people that have the had good intentions, but didn't have discernment to know when they were being led astray. They might have started their own church or they, they might have started their own ministry out of good intentions, but they didn't necessarily have God's blessing on it. And so what they ended up building were their, were their own castles instead of the kingdom. And that's where their image and likeness is being glorified and not God's image and likeness. And we see a lot of that. We see a lot of castles, but we don't see a lot of, of ambassadors and, and embassies for the kingdom of heaven. I believe that churches are embassies, places where people should experience the kingdom of heaven and heaven's presence and heaven's resources, but we don't see a lot of that. So we have to use discernment to make sure that we are, are not doing something that is well-meaning but is not is actually dishonoring God's name, God's image, and God's likeness. And it, and we have to be we have to be so in tune with the Holy Spirit because we can get mixed up in doing something for God that we're not realizing it's not coming from God. And that's the difference. We we'll, we can work all day for God and it can never be from God at all. I want to be connected to what is from Him, not just what's for Him. Come on. 
Come on. And you know, I'm I'm gonna travel back just for a second because you mentioned assignments in the very beginning. And this is something that I truly have been just kind of in a space of speaking with people on that I'm doing Bible studies with outside of it, Bible plans here, my team, my friends. And, and the thing is, if we we gotta get to a place where we actually can be authentic with ourselves, that's yeah. the part. We can't even be truthful and vulnerable <laughs> with ourselves. But when we do that, it's like, well, I'm, I'm this, I'm that. And I had to have a mirror talk with myself. And I'm like, you got to learn that everybody's not your assignment. That's right. You, you have to, you know, at the end of the day, it's just like, well, I have this and I have this and I have this. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, well, what, which one of those things did you consult me about? Because half those things on your list, I didn't ask you to do that. That's exactly and I'm like, well, I was just trying to be nice. I was trying to, oh okay, God. that's fine. But at the end of the day, when we consult him, right? I said this the other day to somebody. I said, my student, I use the same thing and it, it kicks me. I told her I used her too. She was absent and she came back and she said, y'all, what did we do? And her seatmate told her what we did. Now he told her incorrect information. Okay, so she but she's back there and she's doing these assignments. So she comes up to me and she said, okay, here you go. I said, what's this? She said, all my makeup work from when I was gone. They told me that this is what we worked on. I said, I didn't give them that as an assignment. I told them to review it, but you didn't have to do that. So of course she was like, man, what? Come on. I said, but sweetheart, I'm the one that assigned it. How come you didn't just come to me? Why didn't you just come to me? Don't that thing hit you? I know. He he makes it so plain to me. And that's what we do as his children, right? We go and we do what we think he said, what we think we're supposed to be doing. We get it incorrect, wrong. Now we're tired, busted, sleepy, hungry, frustrated. Then we come to him, we're like, Lord, I just need your help. I just, and he's like, Well, sweetheart, you should have did that first because I didn't ask you to do that. I, I'm not being rude. I'm looking up a script. No, 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 no. You're good. You're uh, so good. I, 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 this is this is hitting me, um, you know, in a in a, a powerful way. A lot, a lot of times, because we we want to do things that are seemingly good. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we end up. I don't want to say. Um, running out of oil, but using our oil and, and what our energy and what our purpose is on the wrong sheet. Those are not our sheets. Come on. So I found the scripture, the story <sighs> basically in, in, in Matthew chapter 15, where this Gentile woman is coming up to Christ and she's saying, hey, would you please heal my daughter? She's, she's, she's tormented by demons. And the thing Jesus says to her, I'm called to the lost sheep of Israel. Come on. He made it very clear that he knew who his people were. He, that's why I say your calling is to a people, not to, a, to do a thing. When you think about who you're called to, then you feel the burden for the, who you're called to. And yes. that's how God, God's miracles, God's power flows through the burden that you, that you have for the people that you're called to. Yes, Jesus even, he did a, he performed a miracle for this woman simply because she, she stood on her faith. And she was like, I know that you can heal my daughter. And even though I know you say that you're, you're called to the lost sheep of Israel, but even, even the the dogs get the crumbs from the master's table and God still performed a miracle for her. But I bring that up because even Jesus taught us 
to know who we're called to. Come on. That we're not burning our ministry oil. That's it. Just doing something that's good doesn't necessarily mean that it's coming from God. And let me just go on a little tangent on good. Go, go. You look at, I like to go back to the book of Genesis because I think their original intent for a lot of things that we're dealing with today comes out of, out of this, this garden of Eden that we never got to really experience fully. But you think about the garden of Eden and the, and the tale of these two trees, you have the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and you have the tree of life. One thing I want to talk about is about the tree of knowledge of good and evil is that there's good and evil in this tree of knowledge. So what we think we are doing that's good is still leading to death if it does not produce life. Do you see the difference? The tree of knowledge of good and evil still has good. So you have a lot of churches that were formed out of the knowledge of good and evil because it looks good. But is it leading to the tree of life? We know that, that, that God told Adam and Eve, if you touch this tree of knowledge of good and evil, it leads to death. This is how we burn out because we do things that are seemingly good that Come doesn't on. produce life. And it Come leads on. to death because we're not doing it from God. We're doing it for God because it's seemingly good. So how do we, how do we pull from the tree of life? We got to go back to our manufacturer. Come on. Go back to him and say, what did you, who, who are the people that you called me to? So I can be like Christ and say, you know what? I know who I'm called to. And you don't have to waste your energy on something that's going to lead to death because it seems like it's a good thing. The thing about the fruit of the tree of knowledge, I'm going to use my phone as an example. If this is a piece of fruit, the Bible says it's filled with good and evil. I don't get to pick just the good fruit from the tree. It's loaded with good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil. So when I ingest that, I'm getting both good and evil, but I'm getting the, 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 the results of both. So mm-hmm. my knowledge is that if I do good, then God loves me. If I do good, then I'm, I'm giving him glory. That is, not, that is not the tree that God wanted us to, to do life from. The tree of life, what is the fruit of the tree of life? Go to Galatians in chapter five and mm-hmm. you see the fruit of the spirit. All Come of that, that we can have in abundance. Our tree, should, our fruit should look like love. Our, our fruit should look like joy and peace and gentleness and long suffering. It should look like kindness. That's the fruit that it should look from. It doesn't mean that we should be allow us to ourselves to be used. But when we're connected to that tree, we hear God's voice because he speaks to us when we're connected to the tree of life. And then we know who we're called to and we know what we can say no to and be okay with that. That's so big. And and I think the biggest thing too, I was speaking to a young lady. I, I'm over FCA at my church. I mean, my church and my school. Um, and it's amazing because one of the biggest pieces that I wanted for our students is when we were in school, it was almost like God was an age thing, right? Well, we good now. We wait till we get older and then, Ah, and you know, that's the concept out of a lot of young people, but these amazing young people. And it's so funny. I was waiting on my food in the front office the other day. One of young ladies, she said, can I speak to you for a second? So I was like, sure. And she said, you know, I just feel like I haven't passed my test. You know, she's a senior. 
And here in multiple states have different, you know, standards for graduation. And in the state of Florida, they have to pass standardized test to graduate. And so she's like, I feel I haven't passed my test. I feel like this and this. And she listed some things. She said, isn't happening for me because I know I'm doing wrong. Mm. Mm. And I said, ooh, boo, mm. but sweetheart. She said, but hold on, let me finish. She said, that's how I thought before last week's session. She said, and now I know that God doesn't love me because I do good and bad. She said, God loved me and he knew I was going to do wrong anyway. I said, but see, here's the thing, boo. I said, you see this food, my food? I said, it was already paid for. You see that, right? I said, it's already paid. So if I told you, you can have it. If I laid out a platter for anybody, say I just had to rush off campus, I can't have it. And I look at them, I say, well, it's there. It's already paid for. It may not be good. It may not be what you ordered. It may not be what you want, but it's already paid for. I said, sweetheart, what I'm trying to tell you and offer you is this. The price was already paid for everything that he knew we would do, knew we wouldn't do, knew how stubborn we'd be, knew that we would involve ourselves in systems, as you said. It wasn't a good or bad thing. He loves us anyhow. I said, what happens is it's us. It is people that makes you believe, right? And so I'm so glad that you tapped into that because that that goes right along with the way that you said he never meant for us to live that way. No, this performance-based idea. That if I do this, then this, like, if you think about it, it is instilled in us from, from childhood. If you touch that, I'm going to spank you. If, if yeah, you yeah. When you go to school, if you turn in your homework and get an A, you know, then I'll give you a reward. It, we have been, uh, that, that performance-based system of acceptance and validation and reward has been instilled in us since we were tiny, tiny, tiny kids. So that's, that's a system within itself. I'm not saying that it doesn't, have value, but it doesn't produce life. Come on. And so when we are uh, when we are Christians and we are believers and we are now responsible and charged with bringing other people into the faith and witnessing, we have to remember that we cannot we cannot enforce that performance based based system on others and expect people to want to come to Christ because the world is doing that already. What sets Christ apart from the world? If if we have to um, teach people that they have to be good, they have to dress a certain way in order to love God. You have to speak a certain way in order to love God. You can come the way that you are in your most authentic expression of who you are. And God will love that more than any performance-based action that you do or action that you take because he, he the fruit of life will transform you from the inside not your performance not your appearance not having to do things right on the inside so that's our responsibility is to make sure we're detaching from performance um i look at the the three things that jesus was tempted by satan to do uh right before he started his ministry 
Uh, one of them was to tap into popularity. He had to pass the test of popularity. So when, when, when Satan said, if you are the son of God, then you know what? Just jump off this cliff and watch the angels, you know, rescue you in front of everybody. He was testing if Jesus was going to be identified by his popularity. When he said to Jesus, hey, perform this miracle. Since you're hungry, turn this stone into bread. That is performance. Jesus said, no, oh, get behind me. So the, the, it's performance, popularity. And I forget what the other one is. It'll come to me in a second. But those are the things that G the test that Jesus passed because those are the systems of the world that we're operating by our popularity, our performance, and possessions is the third one. What do we have? So, so I think that as we're thinking about servant-driven leadership, as we're thinking about how we can best utilize this time fulfilling our purpose. Number one, we've got to make sure that we're not doing anything out of performance-based ministry. We're not, we're not sharing a message that if you do this, then God will do that. That's knowledge of good and evil. Can I just love somebody? Can I just talk, walk with somebody through um, a particular area of their life and let God do the other part? We don't, mm -hmm. he's supposed to do that heavy lifting, not us. We, we have to just love people and make God attractive by the way the Bible says, how will they know us by our love? Come on, our come love. on. So we're, if we're making, making it hard for people to get to know God, we're not doing our part and mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're discipling out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, not on what produces life. That's so big. And I think more than anything, you know, I tell people all the time and you've probably seen the videos and the clips and, and I do, I, I'm a foodie, right? I am. And it's so funny because we say these things, but when we apply it to our Christian walks, it's like, you know, now that you say it like that, it really should be that way. But it's like, there's not a food item that comes out. Well, there's not many that I won't try. Okay. Now, granted, it has to, I have to know that it's what I eat. So, but I'm going to go, I'm not going to wait in a long line for it. No, I'm not doing that, but I am going to try it relatively early. And if I like it, I'm going to give you some free publicity. I'm going to say, y'all, y'all better go down to such and such and try to new such and such. If it's a new place, I'm going to say, y'all, oh my gosh. Right. There was a new breakfast taco at Dunkin'. Right. I keep telling Duncan, I run on Jesus and Duncan. So I'll drop you wherever I need to. But there was the breakfast taco. They came with that like a month ago now. And it's amazing. It's just everybody I was telling them. And then they went and my sister, she said, why you ain't tell me? I said, I did. Yeah, I did tell you. It's, it's amazing. Right. Just imagine hmm. if we were that way hmm. every day hmm. about Christ and it starts and goes back to number one of your three in servant leadership, especially in this fourth quarter, that vulnerability. See, it's the mask. Yes. Right? I'm laughing because I did my hand like this and I started thinking about that controversy <laughs> in the <laughs> women's championship. <laughs> right? But honestly, right? You can't see me. Yeah. Since we want to go there with the controversy, that's controversial. Yeah. They can't see you because you're wearing a mask. They can't see you because they're you just showing you showing them the the 50th photo you took. Come on. They can't see you because we're hiding behind the thorns. We're hiding behind the obstacles. We we're showing them what we want, what we want to show. And as I always tell people, yes, that's fine to share the glory. 
Mm-hmm. But the liberation, yeah. the broken chains and the breakthrough is in those story moments. Yes. When people look at you and they do, and they see that accolade and they see that, that, that post that's amazing and they see what you're doing and they say, oh my God, there's no way that she went through X, Y, Z. And then you say, oh, but, but I did. But let me tell you how I got through that thing. And that's that free advertisement that should be given every day. We should be walking billboards. Absolutely. For who he is. I, I you, 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 boy, you said a mouthful. You, you really said a mouthful. I want to go back to <laughs> mask. This mask. Anytime that we feel like we have to wear something other than our authentic self, is pointing people to our image, the image that we have created for others thinking that it's our image that's going to cause people to believe what we say. But it's removing that mask, like you say, that mask that, that allows our vulnerability, allows our scars to show up, allows you know the things that we've been through to actually be seen so that people can see that I'm a real person. I'm, I might look like I got it together, but baby, let me tell you, I didn't always have it together. You know, I'm going through something right now. That's, that's where people connect People don't want to connect with someone that they think is perfect. They want to connect with people that have a story and that have a struggle and that have overcome those struggles and that have this vulnerability of, of giving you insight into our mm-hmm. lives. That's, that, 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 is, that is the secret sauce. If you think about the miracles that Jesus performed, he went to people in their most vulnerable states. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know who he was until... Mm-hmm. And that's what made them become vulnerable because they weren't thinking, oh my God, I'm talking to the Messiah. That's it. No, he came to them as a regular person. Come on. Met them with empathy and met them with compassion and met them with love. And he was able to speak to the woman who who was was caught in the act of adultery. He was able to speak to the woman who was on her fifth husband and the man she wasn't with, the woman at the well, wasn't her husband then. He was able to highlight their stories, come on, speak to them with an empathy and empower them. And those women became free because of the vulnerability that they shared and the vulnerability that Christ came to them. He came through to them with vulnerability and empathy. He wasn't coming to them as I'm the Messiah and I'm going to heal you. I've got this package deal. I've got this. I've got what you need. We can't do that. We, we, we can't, who we are, our stories, our struggles are enough to connect people to the Christ. That that's, that's all it takes. We don't need to manufacture an image Come on. to reach people. The image of God in us is enough. That's so big. And it's, it's funny because when you mention these scars, right? And I have scars, we all do from various things. And it's amazing because, you know, what scars do is they're reminders. Yes. And so I, I, I forget about them. Right. Um, I've had five knee surgeries. So they're there. Thankfully, they were microscopic. So they're small. Right. But a couple of years back, oddly enough, just out of the blue, I had some things going on, lost feeling in my right side. They end up removing a rib to reroute some things and give it back. I'm good. I'm perfect. Right. And so I forget until maybe I'm in the mirror and I wear a shirt and I'm like, oh, hmm. Right now, in the midst of that, in the midst of the trial, the pain leading up to figuring out what's wrong, the recovery, I felt every bit of that. Now, on a day to day basis, 
even before you said it, I don't think about it, right? I do not think about it. But just as sure as I'll take a shower, just as sure as, you know, maybe Hendrix and when she sees it and then she starts playing with it, right? I'm like, oh, what is she playing with? Oh, I see it. And it's a reminder, right? And so often we try to hide the very scars, but they're reminders of his goodness. I was telling a coach this that came on a couple of weeks ago and I said, it's amazing because it's his resume, right? When you're trying to get a job or you're trying to show why you can actually do this position that's open. Mm-hmm. What are they asking for? Mm-hmm. And so what we provide is exactly what you just said. The trueness of who Christ is and was and will always be simply in this. Look, well, nobody want his resume because that thing, they're like, sir, I said one page. Okay. But those scars remind me that if I were never sick, I wouldn't know he was a yes. healer. And so there's somebody that needs to know he's a healer. And why just, why not? Can I remove that mask and show up with humility and transparency to show them just that? That, that to me is the best way that we can be a light. Mm-hmm. It's not to just be a light outward, but to be a light inward. Come on what we have been blessed to be overcome. And um, our scars are, like you said, I love what you're talking, what you said about these resumes, like what they, what they want to see. And I think that we have been taught to show people our resume. Oh yeah. Not not our reality. (laughs) Oh. So it's, 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 it's a natural, like we want to show up and show the best parts of us. And that's, there's nothing wrong with wanting to highlight the good things. As long as we don't make our, make that image, those good things, the image of who we are, that is not the totality of who we are. Amen. It is not our reality of who we are. A lot of us didn't have good things in our lives until God came in our lives. Come on. So I love what you, the highlight that you mentioned about sometimes you forget that you have a, you've gone through something because the scar is just now a part of your everyday life, but the scar is always supposed to be a reminder of what we are supposed to share with others. It, it, it doesn't just happen to you and for you, it happens for others as well. Come on. That's, that's, that's the point. That's the point of all of our lives. That is the point of all of all of our lives is, is, is to be able to be a living epistle, to be a living epistle in the earth. Like I imagine that, that at the end of my life, and I think about the end of my life probably every day because I want the end of my life to really have a testimony that leads other people to Christ. But I I think about the end of my life, what would the books, if the Bible had a book Mm -hmm. in the Bible named after me, what would it say? What, what would it say that I overcame? What would it say that I did for others? What, how did it, how did I show the light of Christ in my life? And can others read that book in the Bible with that's entitled with my name and learn something from how I live? That's so huge. You remind me, I'm telling you, I said this before, I'm gonna have to connect y'all with servant leader, Brittany Zell. Mm -hmm. And she says this, she says, um, you know, y'all, when I stand before God, 
I want to be tired. She said, I mean, I want my hands on my knees. I want to be bending over, panting. Here we go. Like it's the fourth quarter. Here we go. I didn't even think about a connection. She said, I want to be tired. She said, and I don't want to have anything left in me. She says, because the way that I live my life, I don't live it for a resume. I live it for my eulogy. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. And it throws me every time. I don't need paper. I don't need notes. I don't need to go back to her episode. I'm telling you right now, if you're listening, Serving Leader Coaches Bible Study, look for Brittany Zell, go. And that's how she lives her life. And she says, she said, when I stand before her, I want to be tired. I don't want anything left, no stones left unturned. I want to be used up. And in the fourth quarter, you know that to be true. You bending over, don't care what sports you play. When you're at the end of it, you are tired. Your coach like, you good? You straight? I need to call this timeout. I can't take you out now. I cannot sub you out of this game. I need everything you have for the main game. You tired, you leaning, you trying to gasp for air. And that's how I want to be. I don't want anything left. That's how I want to be when when I'm done and I'm sitting here and I want to hear. As we talk about servant leader, I want to hear. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And we will only hear that when we know that we're living in his purpose for us, not our own. Not our own. That's so good. And, you know, I, I was looking this up when you finished Psalm 66 and 16. It says, come and listen, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he did for me. And I lean on that a lot because I'm like, you know what? I spoke to him. I'm going to say this as we wind up. Um, One of the many testimonies that I will always scream and yell from the rooftop, right, is he healed me from a brain aneurysm. And you and I both know, anybody listening now and later, that oftentimes when you hear that that person is no longer with us when they found out that was the reason of their death, all right? He healed me. And the thing about it is we talk about this all the time from multiple servant leaders, shout out to servant leader, Dr. Benny Bolden and, and Dr. Uh, and our minister McNulty. They talk about the God. I knew the God of my mom. I knew the G- Jesus Christ of my mom. I knew the God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of my grandparents. They embedded that in me. They laid the foundation. But it was then and only then that I learned Jesus for myself. Yes. And so in that moment, my plea was, I know what they told me you were. I know what the word says you are. I, here we go. I know your resume. Yeah. Yes. I know yes. your resume. So yes. now this is what I'm asking. Much like people that, you know, they send their resume, they get the job and the people are like, who did we just hire? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know this resume that you have given in your playbook. Yeah. So I'm asking you to perform that work in me. Because here's the thing we forget that just because this happened hundreds of years ago, we act like the miracles can't still take place. Mm. It seems random now to people like, oh, that's not real. The part that's missing, and I tell people this all the time, how many times does he say your what? Your faith has made you whole and I told him on that very day laying in that bed that I know you from them but show me today the God for me the Jesus for me the Holy Spirit for me and I promise you if you heal me I will be your mouthpiece Mm. and it's funny because even in this moment as I spoke to you before we even pressed play Mm -hmm. (laughs) said I don't know why he chose me 
And I'm saying this in the same breath. <laughs> oh, girl, you told me. <laughs> you, would right. be you made that promise. My yeah. mouthpiece. So I never told you how that would shape shift. I would never tell you how that would show itself. And here we are three years later. And I will tell it all that listen. And I will tell you what yeah. Christ has done for me. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's That's just, that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, yes. Yes. You are something else. I, we got to circle this thing and close this thing in. But I, I got to tell you, you know, as I before I give my thank yous to you and we close up in the way that I normally close up with this being, of course, the series of the anniversary. And one of the things we have definitely been working on um, is just talking about the fourth quarter. You imagine that that final push. Right. I want you to speak to those listening, those listening later. That person, it's always somebody. We don't know, right? I always say, Lord, I wish I just would know. You know, we know it's somebody. But I just, I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to, I just want to be able to see that light. I teach for the light bulb moments. Yeah. That's outside my classroom. That's why I teach. There's many reasons, but that's the nutshell. I love hearing, oh yeah. Oh, I get it. I love that. That is the favorite sound of a teacher. Yes, it is. And so in those moments, it's like, I love when people realize Jesus for themselves, mm -hmm. not Jesus of their mom, not Jesus of their father, not Jesus of their family, but for themselves. Mm -hmm. And there's somebody out there that rather it's because of pain mm -hmm. or rather it's because they only know him the way somebody else has explained him to them. Mm -hmm. And maybe it is because of system. And maybe it just simply is because at the end of the day, I feel there's an age limit to it. <laughs> All of these things we talked about in this hour. Speak to that person about the importance and the realness of the fourth quarter and how important it is to get to know this man and his resume. Yes. Um, God doesn't make any mistakes and he's a very intentional God. Mm -hmm. He's an intentional being. He's an intentional father. And he knew that he would need his son and daughter to be here at this age in 2023 to represent a facet of his image and likeness in the earth. And that's you. You have so much of God's DNA, your heavenly father's DNA flowing throughout your body, flowing throughout your soul, flowing throughout your spirit that God didn't make any mistakes and he needs you here right now to get to know him better so that you can operate in your most authentic expression of who you are so that your world, your community, your family, the people who you are called to will get to experience an expression of God that they wouldn't experience had you not been here and had you not been in place. You are important, your life matters. Um, you, you're not, I, I just want to speak to identity for a little bit, because a lot of times we can wrap identity around the qualifications of what man says makes you significant or special or validated or important. Again, those are systemic ideas and ideals of success, but who you are right now is enough. Who God created you to be is enough. Where you are assigned right now, God decided. Who you're called to, God decided. Your talents, your desires, your passions, 
your gifts, all of those things were, were God breathed into the earth in the expression of you because God needed you to represent him in the earth at this time in our lives. So please don't for one minute think that you're that you're not important, that you don't have a purpose and that you don't have, have significance. Your significance is that there's nobody that can express God's expression of himself through you the way no, nobody else can do that but you. You might be, you might even be a twin or a triplet or a quadruplet. You're still a very unique expression of God that he decided he needed in the earth at this time. So get time, take time to know him, get, take time to get to know yourself. And if there are, we all have areas in our lives where we've been, we've dealing with trauma or we need some emotional healing or physical healing. We might've dealt with spiritual abuse. We might've dealt with parental abuse, spousal abuse, whatever that is. Take some time to get some healing and some therapy. I am a huge advocate for therapy because I believe Jesus was a counselor. The Holy Spirit is spoken of as a counselor in our lives. And I believe that just in expression, expressing those, those pains and those places in our lives that we have not yet overcome, I think that we miss out on an opportunity to allow God to shine through those areas. So the enemy wants us to hold on to those things so that God doesn't get the glory out of the work that can be done. Yes, you might be dealing with resentment. Yes, you might be dealing with anger. Yes, you might be angry or mad with whoever it was that hurt you. Don't let that get in the way of your healing. Don't let that get in the way of you. You can be mad and be healed at the same time. Both can still be true. And as God continues to do the work of healing in your life, your anger will dissipate. Because once you start eating from the tree of life, the tree of knowledge and good and evil just begins to die off in your life. So I just encourage you to get to know God, get to know yourself and allow God to do the work of healing in your life the best way possible. And if it means getting a therapist and a counselor, please do. I have one. Every counselor needs a counselor. Every coach needs a coach. And I just encourage you to seek help because we all need help. How can God show up in our lives without other people? We need people to help us in this journey. So I would just encourage you in that. So God bless you so much. And thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. <laughs> ah, there's so much I can say. My first is just thank you. Uh, thank you for just being here, being open, being vulnerable, Ah, letting God flow through you. Because I know what that was today. If you came and logged on a little bit later, we talked about that being a planner, being a coach. And, you know, she knew and allowed God to work through her today and flow through what he wanted her to say and not what she may have prepared. And so I'm proud of you. And I'm thankful that you allowed that because it was what we needed to hear. I'm gonna tell you that right now. I know that even for me, it was what was needed to be said and what we needed to hear. And so I thank you for that. Before we go, I wanna let you all know that we have been doing this thing and we're gonna continue. On Wednesday, we have servant leader Willie Spears. He is the creator of the Willie Spears Experience. He's a speaker, a former coach, an author. Y'all, I'm telling you right now, if you honestly, this is just me. If you're listening, I don't care. It's the truth, Willie. He is literally the mixture between pastor, coach, brother, uncle at the cookout, comedian, all wrapped into one. But he serves and he loves Christ and he truly is a vessel 
that's just waiting and willing to be used to draw people in to see the light that we've spoken about. So I thank you all for listening. Before we go, do you mind giving us a prayer to, to lead us on out? Absolutely. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And thank you, Heavenly Father, for this time of fellowship that we've you've blessed us with. Thank you, Father, for the ministry of the servant leader. We thank you, Father, for the work and the 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 plans that you have for Chelsea and for this podcast, for every person that's tuned in, for every person that gets shared with this podcast, we just ask that you would bless them in a mighty way. Allow your word to seep into their hearts and to grow deep roots, Father, and allow the fruit of, of the spirit of life, the tree of life to manifest in their lives in every possible way. Anyone that needs healing, Father, we ask that you would heal them. Anyone that needs freedom and deliverance, Father, we ask that you would begin the work and the completion of that work. Even now, God, we just thank you, Lord, for this time of fellowship. We bless you. We thank you. We honor you. We reverence you. You are holy, and we appreciate the gift of being able to, to listen to you, to speak with you, and to commune and have relationship with you. So we thank you. Bless, bless everyone under the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. My favorite line of the podcast, servant leader, Narisha Liggins. You are now a part of the servant leader family. Oh my gosh. I feel like every time I say that, it's just like the Lord, like, yep, clink, 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 just moving more to that front line. Right. And so I appreciate you for just being here. Thank you for joining the family. Uh, anything you need, all you have to do is reach out. And when I hit stop on this, that doesn't end our family, that doesn't end our bond. You will stay connected with me. Praise God. I love that. And, the, and likewise, anything you need from me, I'm here. I love being a part of this family. Absolutely. Guys, we thank y'all for listening. Come back and see us. Come check us out again. You missed this one. I promise you we'll post it on the podcast. Follow the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study on all podcast platforms, uh, social media. For those that maybe this hit you in a mighty way, you don't know where to move next. Chelsea F. Uh, Muir on Facebook, the Chelsea F. on Twitter, YouTube. You can find me, message me, and I promise you we'll pray with you. We'll get you connected to whoever we need to get you connected to. It's the fourth quarter. And what I want to ask you, don't answer it. Think about it to yourself. With the ball in your hands, five seconds to go, is the coach drawing a play up for you? So we thank you guys for listening. We're going to see you guys next time.